What is going on, everyone, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Opinionated Podcast, week one in the books. Now, I know it's Tuesday. We're rec- I mean, it's Wednesday. I'm sorry. It, today's felt like Thursday all day. But today's Wednesday. Tomorrow's Thursday night football. Then we're looking ahead to week two. But before we get to week two, we wanted to do a recap of a couple of games on week one. I'm your host with Brandon. Brandon, what's going on this Wednesday night? Nothing much. Yeah, yeah, Wednesday. It's hump day. At least you got to be excited for that. Yeah, I got to get over it. Get over the hump. Yep, yes, sir. So let, let's let's dive into last week's games. What which, which game did you have on mind that you wanted to that you wanted to discuss? Look at something that stood out to you. Which well, one? I would say, like, obviously, like, the whole Matthew Stafford and Rams thing, they look good. I mean, it is the Bears. (laughs) The Bears are pretty bad. We all thought they were going to be bad. But came out firing. And he's jumping around, Matthew Stafford is, and and looking like he's having fun out there again. Uh, It's a big difference when, you know, you're actually having fun and throwing the ball around and things like that rather than, being stuck in Detroit and, you know, losing time and time again. So it just, he lived up, they lived up to the hype. They lived up to all the hype. Even if it is the Bears, he, they came out firing. I mean, that was going to be the next question. You keep noting that it's the Bears. So how much of that week one performance and victory do you put on the Rams being that good versus how much do you put on the Bears being the Bears that bad? I could say 50 50 because they could, they could have went out and, you know, been competitive and uh, gave them a run for their money like some other of these games that you saw um, happen. I mean, they could have been got routed like the Saints and the Packers or, you know, the Bengals put up a fight and actually beat the Vikings. So you're saying, you know, I, I would say 50 50 for week one. It's always 50-50 on week one. There's always underdogs that are going to win. There's always uh, people who are going to get upset. Uh, so week one, I would just say it's 50-50. So you give about 50% to the Rams being that good and then the other 50% to the Bears just being that bad? That bad. Yeah, because it's week one. It's week one. You know, you never know. Okay, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I checked out of that game around the – I checked out at around the third quarter. Personally, it just got boring. I know, I know. He had those those big bombs down the field. One of them was to Van Jefferson. Uh, who was the other one too? I can't remember off the top of my head. But those Deshaun look Jackson. like was it Deshaun Jackson? Those look like more of blown coverages than they did of you know guys just getting beat. But I'll be honest, I checked out. Um, but yeah, the the Rams look like who. Uh, it seems like everybody thought they were going to be. They knew what type of offensive mind that McVay had and how much not only did the NFL kind of figure his offense out, but also how much his offense was limited and hindered by the play of Jared Goff. Yeah, you can definitely tell with that with 34 points right off the back. Um Stafford went 20 for 26, 321, and three touchdowns with the 156 uh, QB rating. So, 
I mean, Goff didn't look too bad himself anyways. Granted, a lot of it was garbage time, but um, you can see definitely the the quarterback play and how excited everybody is with, with Matthew Stafford on their team. They're jumping around. They're up watching on the defense instead of, like, in their huddle, you know, trying to get things going. But they're over there watching, jumping and cheering on the sidelines. You can just tell that the whole vibe of this team is, like, just excited. Yeah, that, that's that's something I think they've been missing in weeks past, especially when the offense would go out there and, you know, kind of get the same old song and dance with uh, with Jared Goff. So, I mean, we talked about the Rams. I mean, let's talk about the Bears. When is it time to put the question everybody asks, when is it time to put in Justin Fields? For Nagy's sake, it's hold on as long as you can with Dalton because it buys him time for his job as bad as they do. As soon as they switch over, then it gives them like, Oh, you know what? We went uh, seven and 10. Wouldn't it be seven and 10 now with the new game? Yeah. We went seven and 10, mm-hmm. even, you know, and I put fields in and we came back and we made a push for the playoffs because the NFC North is all, all lost all week. I mean, we don't know where the Vikings are going. You know, we don't know what the Packers are doing with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I know he's going to be bouncing back, but a lot of people are saying on the internet that he's throwing the games, uh, that he's Paul Crew from uh, Longest Yard. So, I mean, we don't know what's going on with that. And then, you know, you never know. Like, oh, yeah, you know, Justin Fields, I put him in, and then we went 7-10, and 10, and we were this close to making the playoffs. So it buys naggy time. And then they're like, all right, well, we'll give you another year. But if you throw Fields in and he's done – and the offense is not doing anything with Fields either, then you look at Nagy. If you were the coach or even a fan. Trying to save my ass. <laughs> would you? Would you <laughs> of course. I'm trying to save my you, job. Would you be concerned at all putting Justin Fields behind that offensive line? Nah, no, because he's mobile. Just yeah, I mean, but we, we saw we, yeah, but we saw Monday night with Lamar Jackson behind a turnstill offensive line. He's mobile, but he was under duress all night. Like the, what I left thinking that game is if that offensive line don't do better, they're going to get him hurt. Yeah, that's true. But I think Lamar was actually trying to pass first. He really was. Uh, he was moving around in the pocket pretty well, but you can see that he was trying to pass first. And when, but when the game got, was on the line, you saw when he took off and run, um, when he made that decision quicker to just take off and run, he was, he was looking better, but you know, he wants to throw. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, he, he said that he said that his whole career, that's what he wants to do. He wants to throw, but, but not to get on that. I mean, let's, I was just using that as an example. Let's, let's stay on with the bears and the Rams and the Rams issue. And I know Nagy, he keeps saying, Hey, I was in Kansas city for, uh, Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith and then look at there was Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and he uses that as an example to keep fields waiting and I've never been against letting young quarterbacks uh, sit and learn but it's not the same thing uh, Andy Dalton isn't uh, Alex Smith Andy Dalton definitely isn't a Brett Favre because those two quarterbacks were still playing very well as starters with Andy Dalton, you're not really getting that. Yeah, but look at the people who sat behind Peyton Manning. Look at the people who sat behind Tom Brady. Look at the people who sat behind Aaron Rodgers. Um, it just, whoever it is, 
they're either going to learn. Like, I think if Patrick Mahomes got through in the fire, it might have taken him a little bit longer, but he's still going to be the person who it is. Um, not to take any credit away from Alex Smith because they said he helped him, you know, over head and shoulders. But I think if you're that guy, you're going to be that guy. Either it's going to take you a little bit longer because nobody's helping you. But Andy Dalton would is going to teach him how to be a pro, how to do this, how to do that, because he did lead the Bengals to multiple playoff uh, games. So he's been there before. He knows he can tell him something, you know, just because we look at Andy Dalton now as not being a quality starter doesn't mean that he doesn't have things to give him. I mean, he can still give them them, but he can be on the sideline giving them. I guess a, a lot of yeah, Bear fans yeah, would make the yeah, argument. Yeah, um, but yeah. one, one thing of note I would say is, you know, you talked about backups from Peyton Manning to Tom Brady. None of those backups were first-round picks or top-ten picks, mind you, like a Justin Fields who we're talking about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, okay, let's move on. I wanted, I wanted to I wanted to talk about the Cardinal game. That game was so surprising to me, and I, I, was, I was jumping for joy. No fan of the Titans, long-time AFC Central rival. Uh, dating back then, but uh, the Cardinals absolutely d- destroyed the Titans, and I was not expecting that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, their defense is, is going to be something to look at going down. Um, everybody wants to talk about the Niners' the defense, the Rams' defense, but this Cardinals' defense is fast. They fly Chandler Jones is back. They got J.J. Watt on the other side. Yeah, I know J.J. Watt's not the same, but he made an impact on that other side, especially in the run defense, which they were kind of lacking the other way. And then Buda Baker kind of playing that uh, that safety like Romer, you know, a rover who plays everywhere around. That mm-hmm. defense is – I know the offense lit him up for 38 points, but the defense is what stood out to me. Well, I mean, even if J.J. Watt isn't that guy anymore, I think he still carries that presence. And even if he's not – right. And even if he's not that pass rusher, he's still that run defender yeah. that, that does it, especially when they made that goal line stand against the Titans. Yeah, it, was J- they, it was J.J. Watt that hit him first, right? Yeah, it was. he tripped him up when he, uh, he swam over the guard. And, you know, when you have the Titans on the, the two-inch line, and with Derrick Henry back there, it, it seems like it's it's gold. It's always points. Oh, yeah. And they, and they came out and stopped it. I mean, we're talking about J.J. Watt. What about Chandler Jones? With beating Taylor Luan like a JV backup. <laughs> Five yeah. sacks in the game. He uh, hopped on, on the internet real quick to say, like, oh, yeah, you know, thank you, Chandler Jones, for exposing me. Now I can work harder. So he couldn't get dragged on the internet like how everybody else does. He was first to beat him. I mean, that's what that, that you got to jump out ahead of it, but <laughs> yeah. you know, like, all right, whatever, like go sit down. Like, cause personally I get beat for five sacks as a, a, a top paid left tackle. Man, I ain't saying nothing. You ain't see me. You ain't going to hear from me until I go <laughs> out and I, and I start, uh, put up a stone wall in front of another quality defensive end. But I mean, speaking about the defense, I think Isaiah Simmons, really came on in this week. Uh, he had nine total tackles, two pass deflections, and an interception. And for many of you that remember Isaiah Simmons, he was that phenom coming out of Clemson last year. Uh, big as a linebacker, what was he, like six, six four, 250, mm-hmm. 255 pounds? 
as that. fast as a DB. What was he running in the four threes? Um, just he as agile. Exactly. Right. And the biggest question mark on him was, where do you play him? Do you play him? Because oh, everybody would say, hey, you can play him at safety. You can play him at linebacker. He can rush the passer. You can put him at defensive end. But where do you play him? Do you play him at all positions, at one position? And I think that took about a year for them to kind of figure out because they were moving him all over the place. But he he really impressed them this game for me. Yeah, definitely. The leading tackler. But what stands out to me is uh, nobody had an extensional, uh, like, a, like a big amount of tackles that like overled everybody else. Simmons had nine. Baker had eight. Jones had six. Um, that means they're all rallying to the ball and they're all coming and at once. But let me ask you a question. I'm going back to Derrick Henry real quick. Do you believe in the 300 carry curse that whenever a running back has a 300 carry season that they drop off? I'll, I'll tell you what, I believed it last year because when he had that, when he had that season um, in 2000 and 2019, and he had those 300 carries, if I'm not mistaken. And so I remember Michael Lombardi talked about it. And I was like, ooh, yeah, he might be on to something. History says that. And and I passed on him in fantasy because I thought, I mean, lo and behold, did it did it stand? Heck no. He, he broke 2,000 yards. Thousand, he was yeah. right. And then now you see what happened. You see this happen in week one. It, it kind of gets you thinking. Like, I know he spends a lot of money on his body in the offseason, but you can only do so much to keep your body healthy, reinvigorate it when you're pounding it that much. So it's obviously it's week one. We'll see what happens week two. But if we get the same type of thing that happens in week two, uh, I'm I'm definitely going to start believing it. Well, I think the biggest thing, too, is their defense is just terrible. So when teams jump out on them, 14 zip, 14 seven, you know, then it comes uh, 17 seven and teams are throwing the ball on them because they, I mean, Bud Dupree, I don't know. Let me see. Uh, Was a big free agent. One tackle. I mean, I don't know if he's fully healthy or back yet, but uh one tackle for supposedly you, you replaced him with Jadavion Clowney and said that he was going to be that guy because they don't have they didn't have a pass rush last year. I mean, Clowney only played half the year. Yeah, so they didn't have a pass rush last year. They were expecting to have a pass rush this year with Bud Dupree. One tackle. So if these teams are jumping out on him, Derrick Henry's stock goes down because they're going to have to throw. Well, I mean, even Tannehill's stock goes down because. Every time they go down and every time Tannehill can't throw off the run or the play action, Tannehill gets, you know, exposed Mm -hmm. because he's not that type of quarterback. No matter, you know, when people want to look at his stats and look at his QBR and how he has elite numbers. I mean, there's a reason for that. It's because he throws off of the Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's the, the soul of that team. He's the heart of that offense. Tannehill can work when Derrick Henry is going. When Derrick Henry's not going, Tannehill ain't doing nothing. Don't put the game on his shoulders. We saw that against the Ravens last year in the playoffs. We saw that against the Packers last year. We saw that against the Browns last year. We saw that with the Cardinals this year, this week. Uh, I mean, that it, it, it's that's a big enough sample size yeah. to be able to see what it is. 21 for 35, 
and 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, he threw an average of 10, or I can't see how how much his throwing average was, like how many yards downfield he throws, but mm-hmm. he had a 10.1 well, average. Of, I was going to uh, say, completions were a 6.1 average. 6.1. Yeah, that was completions, though. That wasn't, you know, necessarily... How many yards he's throwing down the field. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't see that either. Um, yeah, that's that PFF stuff. Yeah, 21 for 35, 212, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, that looks like a Ryan Tannehill game. But, you, <laughs> I mean, you, but, I mean, Derrick Henry, no touchdowns. So, or he had one rushing, so he had two touchdowns. Um, oh, I'm Derrick Henry, oh, no touchdowns. Yeah. If, if you have Derrick Henry with his two average touchdowns, that's another 14 points, 27 points, 27-38. That looks like a closer game rather than, you know, 38-13. to 13. But it is week one, like we say. Um, but Tennessee's defense, I don't see it getting any better. And Taylor Lewan, I don't see him getting his feet underneath him probably for another couple weeks. Um, so they're going to struggle. I mean, they could prove me wrong, but I think they're going to struggle. And everybody – you know, they're. I don't think they'll win the South. I think the Colts is there. It's for them to lose. Um, but I mean, you saw Houston; they're one and zero right now. Not looking bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. So Jacksonville was one and zero after Week One last year too. So I mean, yep. I no, yeah. I lost. They lost every game after that. Right, right. But uh, to wrap this up again, Kyler Murray, I thought was phenomenal. He was twenty-one for thirty-two, two hundred and eighty-nine passing yards. Uh, four touchdowns, one interception. He also ran five times for 20 yards and a touchdown. Kyler Murray's starting off strong like he like he has done uh, so far in what in his two years in the league. Mm-hmm. It remains to be seen how much he keeps it up after midseason. Because correct me if I'm wrong, last two years, generally during the midseason, he starts to wear down. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can look at the team's total rushing. I mean, not one back is always is going to break 100, I don't think, in this offense. But as a total rushing, they had over 130 yards rushing. So, I mean, that's a good sign for them, too. Because if they run the ball a little bit more, 12 attempts for Chase Edmonds and 16 attempts for Connor, that's pretty good balance. You know, I didn't yeah, see that a lot doing... from them last year. Yeah, Edmonds was doing good, too. Yeah, he's fast. He's He hits the hole fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what do you got next? Um, what? Uh, we went through the two games already for week two. Oh, so we'll go ahead. I'll talk about uh, you know, my AFC champions for uh the Kansas City Chiefs against the Cleveland Browns. I was worried. Our defense looked terrible, but. Like they always do, opportunistic, made plays when it counted, no Honey Badger, no Frank Clark. Um, Those are two big, big, big names on this defense. Um, And being worried so much because the Browns were literally doing whatever they wanted to us, and that way we can pull it out, um, just spoke to how this team is. I mean, I keep – they keep reminding me. I keep forgetting, and they keep reminding me. But I'm a little, little worried that 
the number two wide receiver on our team is inexistent. And when you play somebody like Tampa Bay, or when you play somebody like uh, who has a strong secondary, when they have athletic linebackers that can double team one linebacker and one safety on Kelsey and double team rollover coverage to Tyree Kill, who is going to be that guy? Because it's not always going to be like that. Um, mm-hmm. It just worries me that the number two wide receiver is kind of just inexistent. But all in all, good game. And uh, Patrick Mahomes is doing Patrick Mahomes things. But I would like to see a little bit more um, just toughness out of the defense. I feel like they just get pushed around too much. I mean, your defenses have been notoriously bad. We know that. Yeah. But they always seem to be like the Colts Super Bowl run where they show up when the game matters. And you remember that when the Colts went on the Super Bowl, yeah. terrible defense, yet in they the playoffs, last. in the playoffs, they were the best. Yeah, but that was when we played, We the Chiefs actually played them in the wild card round, and we had the leading rusher, Larry Johnson, and I thought we were going to run all over him. And they and buckled then... down, <laughs> killed us. So, I mean, like you said, it never you never know, but I would just like to see a little bit more toughness from this group. But, yeah, they are young. Uh, no Honey Badger, no Frank Clark, which help out tremendously. Um, they'll come along like they usually do. I mean, Frank Clark ain't playing this year. I think you, I think you know that. No, he he's probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> going to play with it too. A couple years. Oh, don't worry. That, that suspension's coming down the pipe. It'll come, but it's not going to be by this year. I mean, this man over here carrying a Uzi. Which is illegal in, in the United States. You got to be protected in California. We know that. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so I thought Cleveland was executing a a really good game. They were doing. They had the, the what I would call the Peyton Manning plan. You know what it was playing with the Colts. What what what's the best way to beat Peyton Manning? You keep him off of the field. You kill that clock. You make sure you score. Every time you have the ball and you play defense the best you can. That's exactly what I thought Cleveland was doing and doing well in the first half. Uh, Kansas City seemed out of sync in the first half. Mahomes just wasn't connecting with anybody. Uh, Their defense was playing good. The offense was having their way with running the ball. Uh, Baker was, you know, hitting his throws. You know, they even had that, that handoff to Jarvis when he scored in that. And then in the second half, it it just didn't seem like Cleveland Cleveland couldn't execute the way they were in the first half. And that's when Kansas City started clicking. That's when Mahomes was just throwing down the field, a hope and a prayer, and somehow Tyreek Hill comes down with it. I know that pisses, the <laughs> pisses everybody off. And um, then only sacked twice though. So that's good. Only sacked twice. Well, I'll tell you, I saw I saw Orlando Brown Jr. chasing chasing Miles Garrett yeah, a handful know, of times that game. Yeah, Miles Garrett is a monster. I didn't realize how good he was until uh, this game. He just kind of blew by him multiple times. Um, and I was gonna say something about the Browns. Um, oh, if you were to guess time of possession, who would you think would have more? I would think the Browns had more. Kansas City had 32 minutes and the Browns had 27. 
that is very surprising. And right. and it could be because of the second half. Because I'd wager a bet that the Browns had better, they had longer time of possession in the first half. Obviously, I could be wrong. I was wrong about this, but it would it would seem correct. But looking at Baker's stat line, 21 for 28, 321 yards, interception. That doesn't seem, obviously, yeah, the blemish is the interception. Yeah. But that stat line doesn't seem bad, yet he has a QBR of 68.3, which we know isn't good. No. And just to seal the game, as soon as he threw that interception, you know, he, he was he was he was hurried, he was rushed, and for some reason he tried to throw it. And first thing came to mind is hey, Baker's gonna Baker. <laughs> that's, who, that's who Baker Mayfield is. Like, don't don't put the ball in that man's hands. Don't put the game in that man's hands. Yeah, because he was slicing and dicing us throughout the whole game, and then all of a sudden, like it just turned off. I don't know if it's intimidation or anything like that, but it it just turned off, and I don't get it. Like, you know, they could still run the ball if they wanted to. There was no way we were stopping them, and that's what happens with a lot of teams. Like I say, you know, like they uh, Tyron Matthew said in the Super Bowl, the Niners. He goes, "Thank goodness they stopped running the ball." And it's weird how some of these teams, they just stop and abandon their, you know, game plan. And, you know, they try to go blow for blow. And then we see what happens most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think the Browns are a playoff team. And they're, they're definitely here to stay. As long so, as they can keep affording that payroll. So if you were the Browns, this is Baker's last year on his contract are you looking mm-hmm. somewhere else you know i i i, I like what my i like what michael lombardi said michael lombardi said hey if you are basically if you're going to pay a quarterback 40 million dollars you want them to go and win the game for you and baker doesn't give you what you would expect from a quarterback that you pay 40 million dollars for and i completely agree Baker doesn't give ceiling. you. You see his ceiling already, right? You Baker isn't a forty million dollar quarterback, no. and if you invest forty million dollars a year in a five six year contract with Baker Mayfield, you are going to severely hinder your team because that's where a lot of your cap is going. What I would do if I was the GM is I would franchise tag Baker and then draft a quarterback the following year. Yes. But knowing that they're going to be a low draft pick, are you spending capital to go move up? Because, I mean, it seems like that's the only piece that they're missing. Uh, you have to, right? I mean, that's the only way you're going to get a quarterback like that. You've got you to gotta move up. Or, you know, maybe you trade one of your pieces this year you trade for a Baker. high draft pick next year. You trade Baker. I don't know if anybody's paying a first-round pick for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. No, you just throw them in and say we'll give you our first round too. You know, and next year. Be it could be. I guess it all depends on the chart. But yeah, I'm I'm not paying him, and I think that's why the Browns haven't paid him. They know who he is. They know what they're getting from him. Um, if if they do pay him, I'm gonna look at it like a Jared Goff. Like, what are you doing? You, You know, it's not worth this much. And obviously, the Rams have paid severely, uh, for. Their missteps and contracts. You don't see it now. Give it two years. 
give it two or three years and you're going to see it because they're still paying Gurley. They're still paying Goff. They're going to be paying Donald. They're going to be paying Ramsey. They're going to be paying, um, who else did they acquire? Stafford. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why these dudes ain't got no draft picks. But they're still paying, they're still paying Matthews, I think. Play Matthews. <laughs> That's bad. All right, let's get to this uh, this this Monday night thriller, this uh, this this heartbreaker, this big letdown. Oh, man. This game just, just had my had my heart rate up, had my heart rate down, heart rate up, heart rate down. But I'm I'm sure it was an entertaining game for football fans. For me, man, it, was, it was just it was just stress. <laughs> it was stress. You can't be upset by the way that your team played, though, with all the injuries and you know things oh, like that. Yeah, um, so you know, maybe Raven, the offensive line you're you could be upset uh, about. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. So, the, so the Las Vegas Raider, Ravens Raiders, sorry, beat the Baltimore Ravens thirty-three to twenty-seven in overtime. It, it was it was a pretty entertaining game. Uh, Ravens obviously going in there with fourteen players on IR, heading into Week One, the most in the NFL. Raiders opening, christening their brand new stadium. Uh, with fans uh, for the first time, and it was it was a good game back and forth. I was severely disappointed by some of Wink Martindale's calls going to that prevent defense with 30 seconds left, and the Raiders have no timeouts. Um, with I was the offensive line, uh, more importantly, Alejandro Villanueva just being a turnstile for Max Crosby. I'm like, well, I mean, what is this Taylor Luan and Chandler Jones right now? Man, that man didn't block anybody. I think Max Crosby can actually have a breakout year this year. I think Max Crosby is good. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't think yeah. he's elite, but no, I think but I he think is. This, I think this year, I think he can have a breakout year. It, we'll see. We'll see because the biggest, the big, Alejandro Villanueva's was known for Average. his pass blocking. Yeah, uh, that that was what he had going for him. Not saying he was an elite pass blocker. But every, but you know everybody knew he was a, he was a pretty good pass blocker. The the biggest thing that goes against him is his size. You would think a six seven tackle is a good thing to have, but being six seven, it's a lot easier for defenders to get under your pad level. There you go. Yeah, and that's what Crosby had on him all night, and that's exactly what he did. And I think he was just honestly too fast. I don't think he was setting his feet correctly. I don't think he was kickbacking enough. But hey, it is what it is. Um, I thought Lamar Jackson still played really well despite being pressured on 54% of his dropbacks. For for all those listening, we all remember how much Patrick Mahomes was in duress in the Super Bowl, and everybody gave Patrick Mahomes a pass because of how bad his offensive line is. Like every every other time he dropped back, he was under pressure. It was crazy, right? Patrick Mahomes was pressured on 52% of his dropbacks. Lamar Jackson was pressured on 54.2% on Monday night. So, yeah. We get a, we get a better look at what, what how <laughs> much pressure it was. Right. And I, th- and I thought, despite having him play under all that pressure, I thought he still did pretty well. Well, I mean, what did you think? Well, yeah, the final score was 27-33, and you guys had a chance to win it. I mean... 
lo and behold, look at the Super Bowl. You saw what happened there. Nine points, didn't even score a touchdown, and he was able to put a couple drives together. Um, you know, different teams, though, you know. But, yeah, so Lamar Jackson, 19 for 30, 235 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he was sacked three times, uh, and he also ran 12 times for 86 yards. Now, so me looking at it is I – would have liked to see a little bit more from Mark Andrews. Um, oh. uh-huh. he, yeah, because, I mean, your receivers, with especially with uh, Bateman being out, being a good one, uh, Brown, I know he played, but he was hurt for most of camp and stuff, but he looked good. Sammy Watkins, we know what he is, but he looked good. Um, I think if we would have just had Mark Andrews a little bit, hit him a little bit more. I know he dropped the ball, didn't he? Yeah, he dropped a crucial first down that could have kept the chains moving. And that's always been my knock against Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews is great. I think the contract he got was was good for him and was good for the team. But Andrews has always been one drop away from being elite, in my opinion. He's always been in the top of that tier two category, right outside of elite, because he drops one too many balls, one too many crucial balls. And we saw that with Kelsey earlier, too, in his, his um, career. I know these last two years, he's just basically been unstoppable. But as a fan watching, I would see him drop those, man, like third and five. Or, you know, could have kept the drive going, but it stalled because he had this one just drop that might not seem like, oh, we well, only have one drop. But it was to you as a fan watching, it's a, or all the, you know, any NFL fan watching, you know that it's like a crucial, crucial drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. I would have liked to have seen him a little bit more. I mean, five targets, it's good. Um, he looked at Sammy eight times, but five targets, three catches, 20 yards. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from him if he would have helped out Lamar a little bit more, maybe finding like an open spot for him uh, just a little bit more. Maybe you guys could have uh, scored, maybe not even have brought it to overtime. Apparently, they came out and they said, you know, they had Andrews, like, bottled up pretty well, um, which is okay because, I mean, if you're going to bottle Andrews up more, then you would think to go to your other guys. And and that, that was kind of the case. You're right, and that was kind of the case last year. You know, they said they had Andrews bottled up a lot and, uh, and Marquise Brown, but the other guys weren't winning their one-on-ones. They weren't winning their matchups. And, I mean, I think clearly saw Monday that, you know, the Watkins and Brown were winning their stuff. Watkins, four catches, 96 yards. Marquise Brown, six for 69 and a touchdown. I thought they did pretty well. Uh, I'm just, you got to be, as a fan, you got to be worried about that Ravens pass rush because they were not getting home to a depleted Raiders line. And with a rookie right tackle, left tackle? Yep, right tackle. Yeah. The rookie right tackle, too, you would like to see a little bit more pressure. I was happy to see Odafe Owe, their pass rusher out of uh, their first round pick pass rusher out of Penn State, who had, excuse me, he had one sack and he had four official pressures. He had another four pressures uh, that weren't counted because they were negated by penalties. So, I mean, in total for the game, he had eight pressures and a sack. And that was the biggest knock on him coming out. Not only was he raw, but they were saying that he didn't have a sack during his, you know, during the season. 
Yeah, and zero so, sacks, yeah. right? Right. And so to see him come in and get eight pressures in the sack, I mean, that's that's definitely encouraging for a, a young player. Yeah, especially if he comes along well, he can, you know, spell Houston a lot more, and then Houston will get better as well. Exactly. So Derek Carr, 34 for 56. Man, 56. That's that's a lot of throws. 435 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Waller came out with 10 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown with 19 targets. Yeah, I know I'm not the only one, but a lot of times when they're showing those replays of Derek Carr throwing it to Darren Waller, they were just sta- he was just staring him down, wasn't he? Yeah, you can see that he he's his number one target no matter what. Um, but you can see that it worked. I mean, Derek Carr, he played good. He played really good, but I think people are just uh, taking the overtime win and his touchdown pass at the end and boosting his overall play to another level. Like, oh, is Derek Carr elite, this, that, this, that. Um he played good, don't get me wrong, but when you're staring down a receiver like that for against a depleted defense that had multiple injuries, I wouldn't doubt that Marcus Peters, ball hawk, would have came up with one of them. Or, you know, as soon as you go down the road playing these other teams, if you're staring down Waller like that, you might catch a couple picks. I mean, to be fair, I look at Waller in that same category as Kelsey. There's not a lot of people who can cover him. Just the, the combination of size, speed, route running, it's it, it's it's very difficult to cover uh, somebody like the Darren Waller. But, yeah, so look at the Raiders coming away with the W. Yep. Uh, they play the Steelers next, so maybe we can jump into going into their game in a week two. All right, um, well, I mean, let's start. Who Who do you got for that game? Who do you got? Why? I got Steelers only because they're at home, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. Steelers because they're at home. They're at home, right? Yeah, they are at home. Yeah, Steelers because they're at home. Uh, Raiders, they're going to come off this emotional win, travel all the way to, you know, East Coast. And I think they're probably going to take a, a uh, you know, the Steelers' offense didn't look that great against Buffalo. Um, so, I mean, I think it could be close, but as right now they have the line as minus five and a half. So they got Pittsburgh winning by at least five and a half. Um, but that defense, I think the defense for the Steelers, it's going to TJ Watt, uh, Cameron Hayward, and um, what's to it? Stuff onto it. Onto it. I think they're going to have a tough, tough time blocking them up front, especially with the rookie right tackle Leatherwood. I think, I think you, I think you nailed it right there because I was thinking of the Steelers' offense. And the Steelers—they're just horrible. Their offense is horrible. They made enough plays against Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't have a good defense, in my opinion, but they made enough plays against Buffalo uh, to to come out. And so I, I think of their defense. I mean, their offense just against a Max Crosby. Nassib was getting to the rush. Well, I mean, it, they think Ngakwe is going to be out for some time. So you'll probably see Cleveland Farrell active again. Uh, and oh. I, I just think 
you know, the Raiders have a better matchup on defense against their offense. And then when I look at their offense, I think of, of course, you know, Derek Carr and Darren Waller. And then, um, you know, Hunter Rent, they, they get a lot of balls to Hunter Renfro. And they made, they, he is, but they made mention of it. They use a lot of rub routes. So Hunter Renfro goes untouched and he yeah. doesn't get at the line. And that's what, and, you know, that's where he makes a lot of his money. And I so know. I think he about he beat Ramsey one on one in training camp. <laughs> and you saw what you saw what Ramsey said about that. He said, I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> but uh, and I think about that, and I and I think that that talent is better um, than who the Steelers have at corner. And I can't even tell you who they have at corner. But when you're talking about the Raiders' depleted line against the Steelers' front seven. That's where I think the game is going to change. The, you yeah. know, the game is won and lost in the trenches, and um, I'm gonna have to go with you. I think I think the Steelers are going to pull that one out. I don't know if they'll win by five and a half or more by six points, but I think uh, I think they'll pull it out because, like I said, they'll they'll be at home. Like I said, Raiders are coming off a uh, you know a very emotional win, up and down roller coaster. They're going to be kind of you know hyping up just like how they beat the saints i don't know if it was last year or the year before at home i think it was last year um you know like at home monday night or it was sunday night and you know they take that and then they go over to the next week and lay an egg so until mm-hmm. they show me otherwise i i got steelers yeah yeah i'm right there with you all right so let's let's take a look at the next one tennessee at seattle I, i'm taking seattle all day yeah, and I probably got them by like thirty. <laughs> <laughs> All they got to do is jump out of front. Now Tennessee doesn't. I mean, Seattle doesn't have a very good defense. Yeah, they got Bobby Wagner, but I mean, can you can you name me anybody else besides Bobby Wagner and Adams? And Adams, um, you know, but Pete Carroll gets the best out of his guys. You know, he, he lets, makes them play hard. Yeah, and and you know what's going to be interesting for me is you know Bobby Wagner and. Jamal Adams coming downhill on Derrick Henry. That's going to be really interesting to watch. But where do you know Tennessee's offense is abysmal and Seattle is usually red hot in the first half of the season. They always yeah, come Mr. back down to earth. Mr. September. Yeah, Mr. September over there. Uh, Mr. First eight, right? First yeah. eight weeks of the season. And, so he's going to be lighting them up. Mr. MVP, do they, you know. Definitely. First half MVP, and you know he's going to be tearing them up. I see another route like the Cardinals. If you know, I mean they, they we saw with the Colts they put. I think they got they sacked him like four or five times. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. So I I I wouldn't even if it didn't go down the same way as it went down against Arizona. I can see Russell Wilson having another having an impactful game, much like he did yeah. against the Colts. And like Murray did against the Titans. Yeah, so their secondary in Tennessee is this suspect. And then they got Lockett, Metcalf, and then uh, who, uh, Wilson likes to just, uh, spread the ball around. So it's like he's going to find those deep, and he likes to take those deep shots. So it's like he's going to get one. Yeah. Yeah. So we're both in agreement on, on Seattle. So we're, we're, we're both on the same page for two of them. What, what do you got next? I'm looking at a game right now for the Cowboys and Chargers. I think this is going to be... You had to pick a Cowboy game, huh? Yeah, I, a I, I, I think it's going to be a, a very good game. 
Uh, I think it's going to come down close. And we'll see if the uh, Cowboys defense could keep up the momentum and make some turnovers. And then we'll see if the Chargers could win those close games this year like they did last week. Like we know that they're notorious for losing those close games years prior. Either if it's a botched field goal, it's a fumble, it's a late interception. They are notorious for losing those close games. I feel like this one's going to be close, and we'll see who can pull it out. But I think I got the Chargers edging this one out. Yeah, I got the Chargers too. Um, I mean, hey, uh, the Chargers defense has come out to play. Uh, Derwin James is healthy in the meantime. Bosa's healthy right now. Uh, their defense looks good. Uh, you got Dallas coming in on offense without a Lyle Collins at right tackle. They get Zach Martin back at left guard, but they're now missing their tar- their right tackle. So look for uh, Bosa to feast on that right tackle, especially since they threw the ball 58 times against the against Tampa Bay. They I just lost. See, I think we can see a similar game plan, though. Quick throws, boot, you know, rolling right, rolling left. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure. I wouldn't doubt it either, especially when they're talking about that pass rush. But they also they just lost their defensive end Lawrence, so their best really? pass rusher. Oh yeah, he broke his he broke his foot. I want to say. Oh my goodness. So Lawrence is out now. Their best pass rusher on their team is out, and I mean, if he was lining up against uh, their left tackle, what's the rookie's name that came that they drafted? I can't put the name on it right now but i know who you're talking about beasts he man he stonewalled montez sweat and chase young that kid might come out as the best tackle in this draft yeah i was looking for uh chase young stats and what kind of just waiting for him to pop up on my screen watching highlights and stuff and did not see him rashawn slater at a Northwestern. Yeah, he stonewalled those two. And those two are arguably the, the best pass rushing duo in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and so, yeah, I mean, right now with three tackles, uh, one tackle, one solo tackle, one tackle for the, oh, one sack. Or no, no, he didn't. Yeah, no sacks. And he played against both of them. They they didn't keep young on him all day. They didn't keep sweat on him all day. They they rotated, and so you know just uh, Herbert played good. Eckler uh, made some nice runs that game. Uh, Mike Williams dropped one too many balls, but you already know uh, Allen's always there. He's all Keenan Allen's always ready to go. So yeah, I'm gonna take the Chargers on that one too. All right, what are you see? Look, what other game are we looking at? Uh, you know, let's. I say we uh. We finish it off with Kansas City and Baltimore. Oh, yeah. we I forgot about that game. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, no, I uh, – they got – it's minus three and a half for us favored at Baltimore. Um, I don't – I don't see us winning. I see you guys pumped. I see you guys coming out and – maybe trying to establish something because we all know what it's like to go zero and two and try and make it to the playoffs uh, percentage wise. It says it's very low. So I think you guys are going to come out and try and save your season. So you guys are going to play hard. 
you know, I I gotta go. I gotta go with Kansas City winning. I, I don't. Do I want them to win? No, of course not. But the last three games they've played against Kansas City, Kansas City has won. And for whatever reason it is, the Ravens coordinators lose their minds when they play Kansas City. It's like everything that they did to establish themselves and those that winning record all goes out the window. And so, I mean, with it happening the last three years, the last three times, and then seeing that offensive line the way it was on Monday, seeing uh, Wink run prevent defense with 30 seconds left, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, if, if history is any indicator, then, you know, the NFL, they want to schedule it for week two. They don't want to schedule it for down the line. They're like, oh, no, they give them early. Give them, serve them up early. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think Kansas City wins that one, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll pick the Chiefs too, but I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. I think people are just expecting a blowout, but I think if you guys come with a nice, solid run game, uh, just kind of like the Browns did. Hey, I expected last year to be a lot closer. Uh, that game was not even close. Yeah, I think that the games that you don't expect, but I think you guys can come out with a good run game, maybe catch us off guard with the little, uh, little plays here and there. Um, our defense again looks suspect. So I don't see it. You know, I think you guys can move the ball and score a couple touchdowns, but for some uh, reason, he always wants to nut up when they play <laughs> for some reason, they want to be the best defense in the league when it's time to fight. They just have a good. They have for uh, Spagnuolo has a good hand when it comes to playing Baltimore. Yeah, so I, I see the Chiefs edging this one out, but I think it might be closer than a lot of people think. Oh, one more. I don't know why I didn't see this. One more, real quick. First mm-hmm. at Philly. Man, um, whew. I mean, it'd be dumb not to take the Niners, right? I mean, Debo Samuel's looking like he's looking like a true number one. I mean, it was the Lions. It was the Lions. He, yeah, he 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 looked good. And, you know, one of them, he was just running down the field untouched. That was like a 70-yard pass right there. But, I, You know, I'm going to go with Philly. Yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning towards that way just because I like Hurts. I like the way he maneuvers, and, and he's got a nice touch on his ball. Um. But I don't know. I think it would be kind of dumb to not take San Francisco. But I, they're traveling to Philly. Because um, I'm sorry, but San Francisco's secondary is it's suspect, you know. And mm-hmm. the way that they let Detroit score so fast in garbage time, yeah, I know it's garbage time, but it's kind of making me lean towards Philly, but I'm going to take San Francisco. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Philly. Uh, I think, you know, Jake, Jamin told me, and he pointed this out, San Francisco has trouble when it comes to the mobile quarterbacks. And that, that remains to be seen because he made that he made that statement when Robert Salat was still the defensive coordinator. New defensive coordinator, same defense, we'll see. But if that remains true, Philly has a mobile quarterback. Philly look really good on offense. Their defensive line is still uh, a force to be reckoned with with Fletcher Cox on the line. And I I just think I think Philly is going to come in there with the juice and 
and they're going to play well. And I think they're going to beat Frisco, especially the the second half laps that Frisco had against the Lions, and they it's let them be concerning a little bit, right? I, I would I would think it's concerning. You basically let the, the game was over, and you let them right back in. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll definitely have to see. Speaking of Penny Sewell, looked really good against Nick Bosa. He in did. that game, too. Yes, he did. I was going to say, Bosa kind of looked a step slower. He wasn't a madman with his hair on fire like he usually is. But I don't know that could have been a game plan or something. But he didn't look like that hair on fire Bosa that I'm used to seeing. I'm probably because Donald Trump's not in office. Hmm? It's probably because Donald Trump's not in office anymore. So, you know, he lost, <laughs> he lost some juice. <laughs> he lost some juice because of that. Uh but yeah, I thought he I thought he looked really good against him. So I mean, I know we talked about Rashawn Slater. That's another one. I know Bosa's coming off an injury. It's gonna take him some time to get back. Yeah, but still, that's he's. I'm I'm sure he, even at where he's at now, he still ain't no slouch. But wow. yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna take Philly. I, I think last week's performance gave me enough confidence to say. They come out on Frisco on Sunday. I think they jump out early on Frisco too, and we'll see how much Trey Lance is in the game. <laughs> uh, is he going to play? I thought he chipped his finger. He's going to be out some months. Oh, man, I'm behind on all these injuries. That injury before week one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think Philly can definitely jump out on San Francisco early. Especially, I just didn't. I just didn't understand that the Trey Lance package, like he went in there to do basically a quarterback run. Lance I, isn't I, known for his speed. Lance I, has speed, but he's not known for his speed. I don't like that either. Cause then you take Garoppolo out and you ruin his rhythm. You ruin the tempo of the offense just for a one yard run. Granted, he could have got a 20 yard run on that. If it was, if, you know, who knows what could happen in those quarterback runs, but I mean, for a one-yard run, let him throw a screen to Debo. Let him hand the ball off and keep Garoppolo in that rhythm. I'm not for bringing him in just to do a quarterback draw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so before before we send this off, we understand week one doesn't mean anything. Week one don't mean nothing. Week one can be an indicator of what's to come, but it's a very, very, very small chance that it actually is. So to overreact on week one is pretty foolish, especially when you look at recent years. But now that we we know that, now that we've established that, let's just do it anyways. Give me your one week one overreaction. Uh, week one overreaction is probably, for me, that... Let's see. Caught me on the spot here. Probably. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go so you can think. All right. Um, Josh Allen is who we thought they, he was. Josh Allen is no MVP. Josh Allen is no elite quarterback. Josh Allen is who we thought he was in those first two years in the league. Mm. I can see that. But like you said, overreaction, we could say that that a Steelers defense is top tier. Really? Okay. Yeah. And then I'll go with the overreaction with 
the um, Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think that they won't even make the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, okay. All right. I think with so- everything that has happened, Devontae Adams is checked out. Remember the post that he posted? With, yeah, with, last with Michael Jordan. Yeah, last dance. I think they're all checked out. 38 to 3, I don't know how you lose like that. Having Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, you got saw studs on defense. They I know their defense is always never like top tier elite, but you have Jair Alexander, you have the Smith brothers, like um 38 to 3 to Jameis Winston in a <laughs> neutral in a neutral site. They might not even make the playoffs, but they probably will because how bad the NFC North is. Yeah, it is pretty bad. So back back to the Steelers being top defense. I w- I will say, did you forget that defense got thrashed last? They did. They did. They did. Monday night, huh? Yep. But you know, neither here nor there. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll, you know, hey, I I like these overreactions. It's something we all know, we all understand. We'll see what happens these coming weeks. You guys got our picks for this Sunday. We're looking to be back next week. Oh, yeah, real quick, tomorrow, boring, Washington versus the Giants. Who do you got? The Giants are so bad, you have to pick Washington. Even even with Heineke, I don't care. I'm talking Washington. Yeah, that's who I'm going with. But that's my pick. That's your pick. These are our opinions. This is the end of the podcast. We hope to see you next week. Listen, like, subscribe. Hey, do do whatever it is that these people do. I'm AJ. That's Brandon. Peace.